and welcome to this episode of Chats with Shane, the fun and informative podcast that will bring you really nice and fun topics in each episode, which will be around 10 to 20 minutes long. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or send in a voice message on Anchor. It helps people find it and stay tuned. Hi there and welcome to this episode of Chats with Shane. I hope you're doing well and that you're keeping busy and today I thought that I would bring you a fun topic which is space. So I've been kind of interested in this topic for a few days now (laughs) and I was reading a book called um, The Space Encyclopedia of Knowledge. Well it's a very big one but um, the proper title is the Knowledge Encyclopedia Space. So I would really recommend getting this book. It's quite big. Um, I don't actually know who wrote it because it doesn't see, I think, since it's an encyclopedia. And they don't write the author's name. But um, I'm going to read you the first page. The Sun. Our sun is a typical star, a vast glowing ball made of mostly super hot hydrogen and helium gas. The sun has been shining for nearly 5 billion years and will probably continue to shine for another 5 billion. More than a million times larger in volume than Earth, it contains over 99% of the solar system's mass. The tremendous force of gravity generated by this mass keeps the planets of our solar system trapped in orbit around it. The sun's source of power lies buried deep in its core, where temperatures soar to 15 million degrees. The intense heat and pressure in the core trigger nuclear fusion reactions, turning 5 million tons of matter into pure energy every second. This energy spreads upward to the seething surface of the sun, where it floods out into space as light and other forms of radiation. So the core, the sun's core is like a nuclear reaction, reactor. The, nucle- the nuclei centres of hydrogen atoms are forced together to form helium nuclei, a process called nuclear fusion. Sunspots. Sometimes dark patches appear on the sun, often in groups. Called sunspots, they look darker because they are about 2,000 degrees cooler than the rest of the surface. They only last a few weeks and are caused by the sun's magnetic field. Prominence. Giant eruptions of hot gas sometimes burst out from the sun. Called prominences, they follow loops in the sun's invisible magnetic field. So here are some fast facts about the sun. The diameter is... 1393684 kilometers um the mass um earth is one of them is 333000 so it's huge it's massive the surface temperature is 5500 degrees and the core temperature is 5 million degrees so it's way 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 cooler on the outside than the inside but it's still roasting Convective zone. Below the sun's surface is the convective zone, an area in which pockets of hot gas rise, cool and then sink back down again. This movement carries energy from the core towards the surface. Radiative zone. 
deep beneath the convective zone is the dense, hot, radiative zone. Energy travels through this part of the sun as radiation. Spicules. Jets of gas cover spicules, called, called spicules, cover the whole of the sun. So that's why when maybe you're drawing a picture, you would draw a few triangles. But that's also the rays. So they're kind of based off spicules. A photosphere is the outer part of the sun is transparent to light, creating the illusion of a surface. This apparent surface is called the photosphere and has a grainy appearance caused by pockets of hot gas rising from deep, deep below. Speed of light. Travelling at the speed of light, it takes a mere eight minutes for the sun's energy to travel across space to reach Earth. However, it can take up to a 1,000,000 years or 100,000 years for energy to travel through the star's dense interior to reach its surface. So, the northern lights, as well as producing heat and light, the sun flings out streams of deadly high-energy particles, forming the solar wind. Earth's magnetic field protects us from these particles like an elastic cage. But when a strong blast of them disturbs the magnetic field, Trapped particles cascade down into the atmosphere. They set off brilliant light displays near the poles called auroras or the northern lights and southern lights. Solar cycle. The number of sunspots on the sun varies in a regular cycle, reaching a peak every 11 years or so by or before dying down again. This happens because of the way the sun rotates. The, the star's equator spins 20 faster than its poles, causing the sun's magnetic field to get all tangled up. Every 11 years it gets so tangled that it breaks down before forming afresh. So that is the two pages so far about the sun. So now I'm going to read to you a bit about the planets in general. So there are eight planets, as most people know, and they are quite big. <laughs> well, they can be big, they can be small. So, asteroids. Much smaller than planets, asteroids are giant rocks that mostly orbit the Sun in a belt between the orbits of Jupiter and Mars. Some have orbits that take them across the paths of inner planets, such as Earth and Mercury. So, the Sun lies in the centre of the solar system. It spins on its axis, taking less than 25 days to turn to turn right round despite its massive size. So Mercury. Venus spins in the opposite direction to the other planets. So it's like you have a load of clocks on a wall and let's say there's ten. Nine of them are, the hands are turning clockwise and then one of them is turning anti-clockwise. So that's the only one. Um, the distance from the sun, distances shown above are not to scale. This chart shows the actual distances between the planets. Distances are shown in astrom astron astronomical units. AU. One AU is the distance from Earth to the Sun. So it is massive. Inner planets. The inner planets are made of rock and iron and are called terrestrial planets. They are small and very fast moving. 
Even Mars orbit takes less than two years to complete. Rings of dust and ice and ice encircle Saturn and other gas giants. So there they show a picture of the asteroid belt and it basically looks like a big ring with loads of little rocks floating around it. Jupiter spins round faster than any other planet, completing one rotation in under 10 hours. The speed of, mov- of movement at its equator is 43,000 kilometres per hour. So if you lived on Jupiter, you would have your days of 10 hours. So you'd probably sleep for five hours and be awake for five hours. Comets are giant lumps of ice and dust that have highly elliptical orbits. Elliptical orbits. They can spend centuries in the outer reaches of the solar system before sweeping close to the sun and developing tails as they warm up. Gas giants. The outer planets are all much bigger than the inner planets. They are called gas giants because they are made of mostly hydrogen and helium. These substances are gases on Earth, but in gas giants they are mostly in liquid form. Around the sun. Trapped by the sun's gravity, the eight planets of the solar system travel around the central star on nearly circular planets or paths, spinning like tops as they go. The further a planet is from the sun, the longer it takes to orbit and the slower it tra- travels. The farthest planet, Neptune, takes 165 years to get around the sun and moves at just over 5 kilometres, 3 miles per second. Earth, meanwhile, rolls through space nearly six times as fast, and Mercury, the planet near the nearest to the sun, whizzes around it in just 88 days at a speedy 50 kilometres per second. The planet's orbits are not circular. Instead, they follow slightly oval paths, known as ellipses, that take them closer to the sun at one point. Mercury's orbit is the most elliptical. Its farthest point from the sun is more than 50% farther than its nearest point. So now I'm going to read to you a bit about stars. But most people know what a star is. It is a huge, 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 well, it can be huge. Usually it's huge. Um, big, let's just say big, um, particle of gas that... In, in a lot of storybooks or maybe TV shows, stars have loads of points. But most people will know that they're not actually pointy. They're normally just kind of in a, let's say, gas form. Um, so I'm going to read about practical stargazing. So maybe you can try this later if you have the right equipment. Or you can just look at the stars maybe tonight, or you can do some research to see what stars might be out at this time of year. Um, Maybe I'll do some research on that in this book in a bit, and I might get back to you guys in another episode about stars. So, practical stargazing. One of the things that makes astronomy such a great hobby is that everyone can join in. On a typical dark night, a person with good vision can see up to 3,000 stars, so there are plenty of interesting features to find within the naked eye and learn about. Before getting started, it's best to understand a few basics, such as the way the stars and other objects move, 
move across the sky and how astronomers keep track of them. Armed with this essential knowledge, anyone can go out and begin to identify the constellations or learn to spot red giants, starbirth, starbirth nebulas, or even whole galaxies millions of light years from Earth. Sizing up the sky. Astronomers treat the sky as if it was a huge sphere surrounding Earth. Distances between objects are measured in degrees. There are six, 360 degrees in a circle, so the distance around the whole sky is 360 degrees. The moon is about half a degree wide. Handspan. A handheld at arm's length with fingers spread widely covers an angle of about 22 degrees between the outstretched little finger and thumb. Finger joints. The top part of an index finger is about 3 degrees wide. The middle part is 4 degrees wide and the bottom part is 6 degrees wide. Finger width. The tip of a finger pointing upwards at arm's length is about 1 degree wide and can completely cover a full moon. Mapping the stars. You can measure the exact position of a star at any any moment with two numbers. One is altitude, the star's height above the horizon, measured in degrees. The other is azimuth, the angle from due north, measured in degrees clockwise. The star below, for example, has an altitude of 45 degrees, and an azimuth of 26 degrees. Equipment. The essentials for a night's stargazing are warm clothes, a star chart of some sort, and a torch to see by. If you have a smartphone or tablet, you can download various apps that will show you the night sky visible from your location at any time and date. However, many people prefer to use a circular chart called a planisphere. Night vision. It takes about half an hour for your eyes to fully adjust to the darkness so that you can see the faintest stars. Avoid bright light or you'll ruin your night vision. If you use a torch, a red one is best as it won't affect your ability to see in the dark. Planisphere. The astronomer's tool consists of a circular star chart and an overlay with an oval window. When the time and date marked around the edges of the two layers are are correctly aligned, the stars shown in the window will mirror those above in the sky. Optical instruments. Binoculars and telescopes will boost your stargazing. Their big lenses or mirrors collect much more light than the human eye can, revealing very faint objects such as nebulas and galaxies. Their eyepieces, meanwhile, create a magnified image of a small part of the sky, allowing stargazers to separate closely spaced objects, such as double stars, and see more detail on the moon and planets. So that might be a fun thing that you can try later. If you have uh, a telescope, that would be great, but I don't have one, so I have binoculars. I might try with binoculars tonight. But you should probably look up um, the stars that will be out tonight and maybe just maybe revise where they should be in the sky so you can know where to look. 
Binoculars have two large light-collecting lenses and use prisms to direct light into magnifying eyepieces. Good binoculars will allow you to see Jupiter's moons, but you need steady hands to stop the image shaking. Telescope. A telescope has either an objective lens or a large primary mirror. It collects much more light than binoculars. The eyepiece gives a highly magnified image of a smaller area of sky. A tripod or other mount is used to steady the telescope and stop it wobbling around. Under dark skies. The key to good stargazing is to find the darkest, clearest skies available. Professional observatories are often located on high mountains in remote areas, but the most important thing is simply to get away from city lights and the low of light pollution. Under a truly dark sky, the Milky Way is an unforgettable sight. So I live in a quite rural rural area, so I probably won't need to worry about that. But if you don't, if you live in an urban area, then maybe you should try, if you can, obviously, getting a bit of an angle that would be quite clear. So the Milky Way, our home galaxy is visible on clear moonless nights as a wash of milky light across the sky. The best time to see it is late summer in the northern hemisphere and late winter in the southern hemisphere. The changing sky. Watch the sky for more than a few minutes and you'll notice that the stars move slowly around the sky. Rising in the east and setting in the west, this is an illusion caused by the Earth's rotation like the sun. It looks like it's setting, but it's actually just not. It's an illusion that it's going down. And the pattern of movement varies between different parts of the world. Motion at the North Pole. If you watched the sky from the Earth's North Pole, no stars would ever rise or set. Instead, they would simply move in circles around the pole star, which never moves. Motion at mid-latitudes. From most parts of the world, some stars stay visible throughout the night, travelling in a circle, while other stars rise and set. Motion at the equator. At the equator, all stars rise in the east, across the sky, and then set in the west. The constellations are visible by night and change gradually over the course of a year. Moving constellations. Earth's orbit around the sun means that you'll oh sorry. Earth's orbit around the sun means that the positions of the constellations in the sky appear to change. You notice this if you view some of the same constellation at the same time over several weeks. So they have a few pictures here, but uh it might be too hard to explain it to you, but Maybe you could do some more research on these stars and you could see maybe what stars should be out tonight. Um, if you got, get a book or some kind of good website, you can probably find the stars that should be out every day. But I haven't researched that le- yet. I will hopefully do that later. And that is it for this episode. If you like this episode, please give it a review. And maybe give it to your friends send them a link and i really hope you enjoyed
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, please leave a review or send in a voice message or share it with someone you think would benefit from it or would like it. And as always, thank you for listening and see you again. Thank you.